0: Cry the whole night through. Well, you can cry me a river.
1: Cry me a river. I cried a river over you. Back to the Clemson Podcast. When Carter Finley Stadium ran out of Kleenex on Saturday night, NC State defensive end Bradley Chubb was reduced to stealing towels to wipe away Dave Dorn's tears after the game. Speaking of Dorn, he has apparently persuaded university officials to bring on the Scooby Doo Gang a special counsel to investigate allegations of illegal use of a personal laptop on the Clemson sideline. He later went on to accuse Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney of conspiring with the refs to influence the outcome of the game. Scooby and the gang's findings? Dave Doran is a crybaby, Clemson is 8-1, and one, and life is good. Hey folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. This is Ben, standing in for your normal host Tully today. I am joined here by Cody, and uh, we're going to do our best to get this show in uh, in under an hour and a half. We'll see what we can do. Can't promise anything. Um, Cody, how you doing, man? I'm great. I'm great. I'm... Short
0: day, short work week, excuse me, and then going to the Clemson FSU game. So I haven't been to an actual game, inside a game, in six years. So I'm I'm stoked.
1: Well, you picked a crappy team to go see us play.
0: Yeah, I, I paid, you know, interesting story. It's not really so interesting, but I paid a premium just after the FSU Alabama game. And my ticket value is pretty much cut in half. You know, luckily I only bought four of them, but it's now like I can't even resell it. It's worth nothing.
1: Um, well, we all make poor decisions from time to time, so I don't feel too bad for you. But hey, at least you're gonna go spend some time in Clemson. You're gonna, you know, be able to hang around the school. That's always a good time—the game day atmosphere. You didn't get screwed with a noon game, at least. Right. We still have those primetime
0: slots. I don't even think we've had two noon games all year. So it, yeah, and we've had three ABC games, or is it four? Um, and yeah, it's Clemson. That the brand. The when, brand ESPN, name. when
1: ESPN actually puts us on TV when they say they're going to. Yeah. Yeah, which occasionally happens. Um, True. You know, good way to treat national champions. Um, okay, so before we get started here um, and dive into the NC State game, a uh, lot of lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of meat on that bone to talk about there. Um, some sad news, let's get this out of the way. Deshaun Watson uh, tearing his ACL in practice early this week. He'll be out for the season. You know, Clemson fans uh, especially, we know how devastating this is. Uh, You know, for us, he came back in the game, you know, played one game with a brace one against South Carolina. Obviously, NFL smart move, got several games left. You're not going to risk it. But just really sad to see for Deshaun Watson Um, playing so great. He was going to clearly be the rookie of the year and look like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, no surprise to us, but he was certainly turning heads um, around the country. And I just really hate to see that for him.
0: Yeah, the sad thing and everyone said, hey, he'll be back and, you know, he'll be back and better than ever. And that's true. I don't doubt that. I'm not worried about that. I think he'll be fine. The, um, you know, advances in modern medicine have, have come a long way. Adrian Peterson came back uh, for an MVP season after an ACL tear. He came back quick, too. Yeah, a little little HGA suspicion there. But, you know, that aside, I'm not worried about Deshaun, his work ethic, his ability to um, rehabilitate with that knee. What sucks is just the entertainment value that we're going to miss every Sunday and that all NFL fans that watched him – are going to miss. He threw for 19 touchdown passes in seven games. And fun fact, Lamar Jackson, the Heisman winner from last year, threw for 18 touchdown passes through nine games of this season in college. So just, he was leading, was he leading the the league in touchdown passes? I know he was leading all rookies of, uh, like ever in the history of the game uh,
1: in terms of touchdown passes through seven through, games. Yeah, through that so, beating like Kurt Warner's record. Yeah. Um, yeah, but just more so than anything, it, it, it sucks for him. We know how much that kid puts into uh, um, into the game and the game planning and going out there and doing everything he can to help his team win. Um, and he was everything we knew he would be. Um, it was good to see him getting respect throughout the league. Listen, we know he's going to bounce back. Um, he's recovered from these things before. This was a injury to uh, his other knee not the one that he sustained the ACL ACL injury and in when he was at Clemson they're actually saying that he may have actually injured it in that phenomenal game he played against the Seahawks
0: I watched every bit of that game and that was that was amazing I, I didn't see the injury but that's you know that's the Sean you saw did again you saw what he did against USC back in the day on a hurt knee so he he torched one of the best secondaries one a, a prolific secondary and uh, and they were talking a lot of trash coming in but uh, but yeah he's going to be missed and you know what there are they, right before uh, right before the Seahawks game or I guess it was right after they were already making lists for the teams that, that passed up on him and how big of a gaffe that was comparing it a little bit to Tom Brady and especially with teams that really needed quarterbacks the New York Jets the San Francisco 49ers where there's just straight incompetence at like quarterback. Three quarters of the NFL needs a quarterback. <laughs> right, it's a quarterback's league, and you you pass up. Not, I mean, you know, whatever. You take Trubisky or Mahone, Mahoney or whatever. At least you're going for a quarterback. <laughs> Mahomes. You might,
1: Mahomes. That's right. Whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah,
0: he hasn't played yet this year, so I don't I don't need to know his name yet. But at least you're like giving it a shot. But like, did not did not have a quarterback and not go for him. You know, he's proven a lot of people wrong. And like Dabo had the quote about, "I'm just an old college coach. And I don't know nothing, but." He's going to be Michael Jordan. (laughs) And, I mean, I'm not saying that's where he's going to be, but he's going to be a good quarterback. It wasn't a bad start. I think that that floor is pretty high. I think we can at least say that through seven games through his rookie
1: season. Yeah, and even the poise he's come out with, I mean, not throwing nearly the amount of interception rate that he did last year when he was at Clemson. um, It's absolutely amazing. I mean, I I knew he was going to be great. I don't think I knew he was going to be that good so quickly, but also it doesn't surprise me.
0: It doesn't. And it does look a little bit like Alabama where he just – yeah, hey, the the gaps the, those they close a lot quicker in the NFL. It's true, but he sees he he has a propensity to see them both in the in the running lanes as well as passing, and he watches a lot of tape. He works his butt off, and I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, one other thing, Todd McShay was talking about. Um, he the the game will adjust to this RPO, this new run pass option attack that they've implemented in the NFL that they've that they taken from college. Uh, offenses and that the D- NFL uh, defenses will adjust. Well, at no point during the season, did NFL team adjust to Deshaun Watson or were they
1: capable of it? Hadn't, so hadn't happened yet. And it's not like you thought he was going to be doing anything else coming in. Right. And yeah, he's got, he's got adjustments to make too. He's got more growth
0: um, just in his ability to, to process more things, see things on the field. Yeah, so this is
1: his rookie campaign. He's only going to get better. It's it, incredibly impressive just gotta just gotta keep him healthy i mean he's down right now but he's not out we've seen the kid bounce back before and i have every bit of confidence he's gonna bounce back again um and you know injury barring any further injuries or serious injuries he's gonna have a prolific uh nfl career i imagine (laughs) Um, so that's that's it for Deshaun Watson and the NFL. We'll move on here to this uh, NC State game. Uh, Clemson goes into uh, Carter Finley Stadium on Saturday night and takes out the Wolfpack, comes from from behind to beat them thirty eight to thirty one. Clemson improves to eight and one on the season. Um, you know, so many storylines within the game. It was a very competitive game, but I think Cody, let's start with the obvious thing for everybody: just the the true classlessness of NC State's. Head coach, and by extension, their fans.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it in, in the intro about Dave Doran. He, I mean, just the way you conduct yourself, and I've preached about this, I think it was Bobby Petrino last year, about the way you conduct yourself to have a very defeatist attitude. Like that, like that, that permeates across your, your, uh, your team, and they see that, hey, you know, we're, we're the victims here. We're playing the victim card. I just think that's never the right attitude to have, and, and you never, ever see Dabo have that attitude. Exactly.
1: And, and of all the teams to react this way to and to pout about against, it, it's not Clemson because Dabo has set such a good example throughout the years of not playing the, the victim, right? And, you know, David Hood on TigerNet came out with an article saying as much. So did uh, Larry Williams and Paul Cirillo, I believe, uh, Tiger Illustrated. It, it was obvious. I mean, it, it was an obvious comparison. And Dave Dorn just, he, he looks like a, a, a child. In this situation,
0: right, and Larry Williams wrote that like he got just so quick bit of information before he went to his post game press conference about a laptop. With a laptop. It was not substantiated by anyone. All he knew was there there was a picture of a laptop, and I think Larry Williams wrote that that's not something you go into a press conference and, and open up publicly about. You vet it. You so you you get a little bit more information he was clearly you know just
1: again just a sore loser and he let it he let it out on the podium yeah this wasn't deflate gate or spy gate i mean this was a social <laughs> media kid on, on the sideline maybe if nc state ups their social media game gets a laptop out there does some stuff maybe they'll get some better recruits um, yeah it's just a silly thing to bring up i love how the acc came out with a response uh, yeah nothing to see here
0: right it was it was quickly uh, they made, they made, uh, what was it? It was just a, it was social media. Is that what you said? Yeah, it was
1: social media. Yeah.
0: So yeah, that was not a good look. And when your leader acts like this, and again, it's 18 to 22 year old men, you, you want to show that, show them that everything in life's not fair. You might be the bit, or you might be on the wrong end of a you're officiating calls, you just keep going and you keep, and that, and you instill that mindset in kids, then you can overcome things. You can overcome adversity. Anyway, I'm not going to preach, but that's, that's what, how Dabo's built it. And whenever you do the opposite, I think you're really just hurting your your program. Um, the second thing, though, was do you want us to talk about their fans or talk about
1: Bradley Chubb's antics? Because keep it going, man. I mean, the the fans. I don't. You know. All right. You can't hold the entire fan base accountable for what you see in that one snapshot around the fans throwing stuff at the refs. You just you just can't. That being said, that was a. Very, very poor look for them. I think, number one, to blame anything in the officiating. If anything, Clemson should have been complaining about the officiating, especially early on in the game. I did not see a lot of stuff going back and watching again that was very questionable questionable uh, calls against NC State. That illegal shift uh, at the end of the game, that was clearly an illegal shift. The wide receiver was moving forward before the ball snap. This is not the Canadian Football League or or the, the Indoor Football League, Whoever, you know, whatever league that is that allows that. So... Uh, maybe the fans just need an education of the rule book.
0: Right. To me, and Clemson fans will hate this, but I'm going to say it, it reminded me a little bit of when we played Duke in basketball back in the day. And the woe is me, inferiority complex, like – we're the victim that the officials are going to screw us just already going into a game with that mindset. We're going to get screwed. But Cody, they did screw us. He would screw us time and time again. <laughs> yeah. and apparently it's different. It sticks for years after the fact, like there was a, there was a clock issue, but that's why I always say, don't be that fan. Don't, 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 I mean, some certainly officials will make some bad calls from time to time and you're and that sucks. But like you said, in this game, that wasn't the case. That illegal shift call it, it was inconsequential to the the outcome of the play, and that that sucked. But it was the right call. And and aside from that, there were the the pis uh, that that on NC State. We'll talk about this more throughout the game. Like those were blatant. Yeah, I a mean, couple of them the, they didn't even call the, the
1: second play of the game. The missed pi on Deion Kane, and then the Kelly Bryant followed that up with the interception. That was big. Um, the pi in the end zone on Chad Smith on third down that was questionable. I mean, he, he wasn't he had his arm around him, but he wasn't yeah. impeding his movement. Um, and then you, the, the poor spot on the third and eight on the sideline throw to Kane. The, the rest missed that one. The only thing that I can really uh, put the that I saw that was a legitimate gripe for NC State that they could put on the rest is so on their first drive of the second half, Jacoby Myers had a catch ruled out of, out of bounds on third down with NC State driving. Um, Where the ball was being that, juggled. That, yeah, well, I didn't even see it even on replay. I, I didn't see that it was being juggled. I thought it, he had a firm it, grip on it the whole time.
0: Well, the Bill Lamanier, the the official <laughs> officiating guru guy, came in and said the ball wasn't fully controlled. It wasn't that it was necessarily juggling. It just wasn't fully controlled, therefore, by the rule book. And he saw it. He thought it was pretty definitive. Anyway, so I think they it got was it in right. His
1: hands, but.
0: But I think the point we're saying is, for the most part, it was a clean game. It was a well-officiated game. A couple calls that went, you know, 50-50 calls one way or the other. um, But it seemed to balance out. The fans, meanwhile, I can't tell you how many times I heard FU refs, FU refs. Like, you could hear it. They had, I don't know what, ESPN had to kind of drown it out or mute it out in the background. But
1: anyway, just not a good look for them. Well, that's, I mean, that's, again, they're just, that goes with the mindset of the coach. Just always blaming other people uh, or, or blaming other factors, whether it be the refs. Whether it be injuries on your team, like Clemson didn't have any injuries, um, right? Blaming right. a laptop on the sideline—I mean, just pointing the finger. You know what they say when you point a finger, just four pointed right back at you. Yeah, they're uh, they're Th- or three something
0: like that. They're like third team all or uh, all ACC defensive tackle was was hobbled. While meanwhile, our like all American defensive tackle was just as hobbled. So anyway, we, you're we're right. using a wide receiver. There's injuries all around. We, we
1: had a wide receiver at cornerback uh, on the last drive of the game. Granted, he's probably one of the best cornerbacks on our team, but
0: he looked good. But uh, no, that, that and then Bradley Chubb, which that's, again, that's one guy. But dating back to last year after that blatant targeting, which they, they put Wayne Gallman out of the game, which, I mean, I don't know. It looked like they were taking some shots last year. And now Bradley Chubb. Like you want to talk about the officiating like they let it happen 3 times where he took the towel from Kelly Bryant like okay. after one time it's cute it's fun you go as the referee and have a conversation with him but it happens again it's a unsportsmanlike conduct they let it happen 3 times all right maybe well, they didn't see
1: it and I'll I'll point this out this is not the first time this has happened this is a thing that he does um, he's done it in other games from what I've read and seen
0: so that that means they should have been quicker they on the draw
1: So yeah that being said I thought it was hilarious I really did. I mean, what a way to get in a quarterback's head <laughs> is to do something like that. Go and steal his towel every, towel every time you get off the field. I mean, it's harmless. It's a towel. There, Clemson has plenty of them. I mean, I think if you're a Clemson fan and you're angry at this, eh, maybe lighten up a little bit. I, I actually thought it was pretty funny. I was chuckling a little bit. And I will be quick to remind uh, Clemson fans of the Ben Bullwear and Christian Wilkin, Wilkins uh, butt pokes of last year.
0: Yeah. 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 What's Wilkins
1: first? does kind of the same thing. He got in Finley's
0: face after an interception. I'm not, I honestly, I probably put more blame on the refs to not get in there and stop it after the third time. Like after again, three strikes and you're out, literally they didn't no, no flags. And again, let them play. But
1: at the same time, I wish they would have, would have got in there. Well, the Clemson uh, uh, equipment staff after the game should have taken all the towels and dumped them in a pile in front of NC state's locker room.
0: I was really hoping after Kelly Bryant walked in for that uh, that rushing touchdown that he would have just took his towel and handed it to Chubb after that.
1: Well, fortunately, somebody on Clemson's team and in their fan base has class because it surely isn't us.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so uh, do we want to complain anymore about NC State or do we actually want to talk about the Tigers winning this football game?
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. But, you know, hey, it was, it was notable.
1: Yeah, no, it, it it surely was. And it's very endemic of uh their head coach's actions. So we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, before moving forward and really diving into this game, uh, we wanna give a plug for the podcast here. We wanna encourage everybody to uh follow us on social media, whether it be Twitter, uh Facebook, we've been getting a lot of engagements on both those platforms. We really appreciate it. Um in our last episode, Cody promised that he would uh uh, he was going to the FSU game and he was going to bring some beer for you guys. We got a few responses back. Cody, when do you reply to those? Well, I'll, I'll reply. I was hoping to just reply on the air. Yeah,
0: like uh, Parker Moore and... Oh, I shouldn't give out their names. And also a guy named Jeremy. Uh, sorry, Parker. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I would lo- I'm would. actually waiting for the... As the ticket prices are falling. I'm Daniel gonna, Alvarez, we've shouted and ta- him out before. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing about going to a game... Versus like, and living in San Francisco is like, it's a, it's freaking chaotic. So I don't know about like meeting up with people. I would love to though. Like if you email me, I I see one guy wrote where, where to be. I'd love to meet people and just talk Clemson, Clemson football. And I will give out beer. I will be like gladfully give out Lagunitas, IPA, Bud Light, whatever you like. So
1: so full disclosure here, folks, this is how Cody operates. He lures you over and promises of things. And then he asks you to provide the beer. Um, It's kind of what happened tonight. Um, In this case, I'd bring like a bush light and I would eat yeah. from their tailgate. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect too much of him, but he will try to see you if, if he's able to. Um, speaking of social media, another thing that we did uh, on Friday night, we tried out for the first time is we did a little video um, uh, preview predictions of uh, the games on Saturday. Um, got some positive feedback from that and some trolling from our, our friends who came out of the woodwork. Who You, uh,
0: you have a face for podcasting, Ben yeah that's yeah. uh
1: that's what I'm told you know I'd like to point out that uh I hear the camera adds thirty pounds yeah so does uh so does getting married, apparently, which you just did that too and drinking lots of beer uh. <laughs> uh, a couple more shout outs here uh Rob Matthews we told you about this guy before he's a guy that reached out to us from Ireland uh just happened to become a college football fan, never stepped foot in the states and just got on Clemson so now we're starting a a campaign to get Rob to come to a Clemson game next year. We're soliciting, um, uh, you know, ideas from people and uh, some some hospitality, some invites to tailgates. I know my infamous uh, Uncle Billy has already told me that uh, he'd be happy to host him at his place. So let's get let's get an Irish guy uh, over across the pond to a Clemson game, his first time ever in the states and uh, his first ever college football game. That would be a pretty cool thing. And one more thing before we move on to NC State, we are excited to announce that uh, our good buddy Sam is going to be joining us uh, here on the podcast. We're going to have him on uh, to talk some Clemson basketball. You know, we kind of got burned out last year after the, the national championship run two years in a row um, and kind of took a break uh, after the football season. But, you know, our intention, as it was the first two years that we did this podcast, was to keep things going throughout the off off-season, offseason, talk about Clemson basketball uh, talk about uh, Clemson baseball as well. you got a really good baseball program. And then, of course, keep up recruiting spring ball and football and all that. So we're excited to announce that, that Sam's going to be with us. Sam is a Clemson grad from some year with some major. I've only known him for about five years, so haven't really gotten that deep in our friendship yet. But uh, really glad to have Sam on. Uh, Go- Cody, you got something to say? Let me throw in one question. I won't put you on the spot, Sam, because you don't have a microphone. Uh, yeah, Sam, Sam is here observing for the first time to, to kind of – See how the flow of this uh, this magic, how this magic spark goes.
0: Yeah, it's magical. Um, so I think preseason, we're 14. So Sam, do we... Um, 14 in the ACC. 14, I'm sorry, 14th in the ACC, of course. Out of 15 teams. Do we finish better or worse than 14th in the ACC? I'm going to go better. Sam goes better if you couldn't hear that. He's a bit of a homer, kind of like Ben, but we're, we'll look past that. There's
1: only one stop spot to drop below that. That's true. Like, there's nowhere to go but yeah. down. Yeah. We're up. So, anyways, glad to have uh, Sam with us. We're excited. He was late tonight on his first day of work, so we're gonna dock his pay. Um, but otherwise, expect some good basketball content. We hope <laughs> moving forward. And with that, let's dive into the NC State game a little bit further. <laughs> The first time this year, Cody, we really see uh, Clemson playing from behind most of the game and then coming back to win it at the end, which is uh, something that we really wanted to see out of this team. Syracuse game, obviously we're not going to count because we don't count losses. They're not real things. Um, but in all seriousness, Kelly Bryant out for half of that game and the half he was in there is not really effective. Um, so I think it was really great to see one thing we could take out of this game um, was the way that Clemson persevered and came back against an NC State team that was playing uh really well especially on the offensive side of the ball um and then another thing for me th- this this felt like more like championship football uh, to me um say what you will about the louisville game and the virginia tech game obviously louisville isn't uh, who they thought we were and virginia tech uh while a good team i still think nc state's a better football team so to go in the hostile environment uh be down most of the game uh, you're not really clicking as well in offense earlier. The defense is getting tested and stretched all game long to come out and perform like that. I think there was four uh, – uh, the defense shut them down on the first four drives of the second half. Clemson eventually takes the lead and holds on for the rest of the game. That was a really, really good win to see. I think so
0: too. I, I'm, I'm really happy with this win because, A – NC state was playing out of their minds. I really do believe they brought their a game and Ron Finley, you know, he, he, he needs to put that, uh, put that tape in a, you know, send it out to some NFL scouts and some NFL teams, because I don't think he's necessarily going to be a great NFL player, but I think he's going to make a roster after watching him yesterday. Um, he played out of his mind. Um, but also like they were, you could tell the intensity was at a new level. You talked earlier in the year, Ben, about getting a team's best shot and, it's hard to quantify that. It sounds like just kind of a you know, kind of you say tongue in cheek or something, but it's there's something to it. And what it what it looks like is what you saw Saturday against NC State. The fans are the fans are there. The the environment is electric, and the defense is dialed in, and the offense is executing. You can tell they they coaches were coaching. They did it had a great game plan for us on both sides of the ball, and the players are executing. So it just tells me they were fo- not only were the did they have the right game plan. The, co- the players were listening, coming in. They were motivated. They were probably spending extra time in film review. That's what getting a team's best shot looks like. And I'm glad when we're probably given a B-minus effort, B-minus game, I would say, that we still come out with the win by s- seven
1: point. Yeah, and listen, this wasn't a 500 team that comes out and gives you their, their best effort. This is a team that was leading the ACC Atlantic, had no ACC losses. You can scrap the Notre Dame game. Uh, you can scrap the South Carolina game because those uh, losses do not matter in conference. NC State controlling their own destiny or the ability to um, sitting first in the Atlantic division, they could still win the ACC champion or go to the ACC championship game uh, by beating Clemson. So that team had a lot to play for. You know, they they weren't just playing for pride. They were playing uh, to knock off a Clemson team that has won the ACC Atlantic two years in a row. Um, and it's been in the, uh, the college football championship game two years in a row. Um, so, yeah, really, really great to see the team respond like they did. Even, uh, you know, Kelly Bryant... He's not perfect, but his his mental toughness and his ability to persevere and get through um, some rough goings, that really reminds me a lot of Deshaun Watson. There's not a, a lot of apples to apples comparisons you can make between the two, but Deshaun Watson went through his struggles last year with all those interceptions and turnovers, but it would shake them off, be mentally tough, and still go out there and win football games. We've seen that from Kelly Bryant a few times now.
0: Yeah, he definitely, he's the leader of the team. He made enough plays. It's not always pretty. I don't. It was not his best game, but even so, he still makes the plays he has to make. Um, and it does, you know, it, in a way, it reminds me to Sean Watson. Um, I think the one thing we we haven't seen from him is just an upside where he can continue to execute both in the pass and run game. I don't know if he's got that yet, but in terms of playing a high level competition, we've seen it now in two games against. I, I consider Auburn and NC State as both two top ten, top fifteen type teams. And he just makes the plays
1: when he has to make them. Right. And whereas in some of those early games, specifically against Auburn, you saw the defense, you know, early on in the season was having having to carry the offense. The offense really stepped up and carried the team in this game when the defense was not playing so well. And, you know, I've said this before. I said this early on in the season when we were questioning how good this Clemson offense was going to be versus how good we know the defense is going to be. For the most part, offenses tend to get better as the season goes along, as they start to gel more, and defenses tend to get worse, mainly because they're getting worn down more, and injuries can have more of effect. Little, little minor uh, scrapes and, and dings can have more of effect on the defense as the season goes along, and that's what you've seen with this Clemson team. is the offense has slowly started to get better, started to found their, find their identity, and the defense has hasn't played great in two of the last three games. They were flat out tired. Um, against the game against Syracuse. They were tired in the last few drives uh, here against NC State. They've suffered injuries, especially in the secondary. I mean, we're pretty depleted there. We mentioned Ray Ray was uh, out there at cornerback the last drive of the game. So um, the fact that you're starting to see this transition, I think things are really starting to come together. Whereas before, you know, some of these other teams we beat them with sheer uh, a, t- a talent gap, whether whichever side of the ball you're talking about. But now I think you're starting to see this team maybe become more more balanced where one, you know, either the offense or the defense can pick the other one up when needed.
0: Agreed. And I think I've seen a lot written on comment boards on other sites and things like that. The defense isn't giving effort or what's wrong with our defense. As you said, it has a lot to do with injuries. And I think the big thing is you talked about the defense gets potentially can get worse as the season goes along. Well, part of that's, Offensive coordinators getting smart to exactly. the inefficiencies in your defense. And I, I think that's what's happening with our with our defense right now. And, of course, it's injuries, and that matters. And it's not an effort. I'm tired of seeing people talk about giving effort or things like that. These, these guys come out to play. They play
1: hard, and a lot of them play through injuries. So well, let's, give that a rest. And let's not overlook the fact that uh, NC State was an extremely veteran team going against what is – like, honestly, a very young Clemson team, very talented, but still a very young team. NCC had nine seniors uh, starting on defense. So that says a lot that a young Clemson team is able to come in here and uh, withstand adversity and beat not only a veteran NCC team, but also a talented NC State team.
0: Right. And I, I totally agree. Let's start with a little bit of the game in the first quarter, where I think was a huge pivotal moment, moment is when. Well, after the after the interception by Bryant, they get the ball deep in our territory, or not really deep. I guess it was about midfield, a little bit like forty yard line. So first two do- first two downs. Our defense is really good on run downs, uh, running downs. I mean, that's no secret. We stuff them. I think for a tackle for a loss or at the line of scrimmage, third and long. And there's been a lot of fans griping about this, and I think it's fair. They get we go five. We rush five. Santander moves beautifully executed. What what do we have on the outside? We have Amir Trap, all of five foot seven, maybe five foot six. He's listed at five eight, but that's yeah. I've, I've seen him on tape. He's not five foot. He's not five foot eight. Going against one of the best receivers in one on one in one on one coverage, one of the best receivers in the ACC. Is that Harmon, Harmon, who's six foot three, six foot four, and Venables was ticked off after the game. He was he was upset because I mean he said he lost leverage, but really he did um, he did get some leverage to the outside. But more than anything, when you're that big, he, when you're that small, I should say, Trap managed to catch up with Harmon. But he, there was just no way he was going to make that catch over a guy that's six inches taller than you. So, like, my gripe is this: first, first play of the game, first series of the game, you have a chance to stop them in a three-and-out situation. This is just critical. And everybody says we're 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 lacking for depth at, in the secondary, and that's true. But AJ Terrell, a six-foot-two. Four foot or four four speed guy, five star freshman is sitting on the bench, and you have a mere trap in there. I, I Benables again mentioned it three times, and I can't help but think if this might have been like a Dabo Sweeney call to, to put him in with the first teamers in that first set. Like that's just a come on, that's a huge
1: coaching blunder, right? Yeah, there. I mean, we were I don't all, know who it was. We, I don't have
0: any knowledge of this. I'm just assuming this might be what
1: what happened. You know, we were all scratching our heads on that one. I mean, as soon as you see that deep ball, and you saw his back turned, and you see that, uh, what's he 38, the mere trap on the back of his Jersey that right. We all questioned that call at that point. Now to give them credit, I will point out that NC state was only two of 12 on third downs for the rest of the game. So they learned something and made an adjustment.
0: Well, Terrell was in in the next drive in a, in a third and long. So yeah, they, I guess they got the personnel, right? But it, it everything was so perfectly executed. I think that gave NC state a lot of momentum. Um, and it, you started to see a trend. This was not a fluke. Ron Finley, was smart this whole game. He he saw mismatches. He was looking for linebackers, particularly Kendall Joseph, who was a little bit hobbled. He was looking for Tanner Muse uh, in one-on-one situations he, that he exploited, and ended up having to pull Muse because he just couldn't cover. Uh, and plus, with the boot on his arm or whatever that's called. Yeah, we were joking the during cast. the game
1: that like maybe your strategy with Tanner Muse is just to go up and club people. We're not not sure that that's a. That's illegal by the rulebook standard.
0: He seems like a guy that would do something knock, like that. Knock
1: somebody out with that cast, man.
0: But in that first drive, in that first play, th- that was not a just, hey, I'm going to Harmon. Like, Finley saw a mere trap. He, they, they they saw him on tape, and they circled that, and that he was looking for that mismatch. So, anyway, in games going forward where it's going to be a one-possession game against league competition, let's get the right guys on the field. There's no There's no excuse for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And really, I think for the most part for this Clemson team, the whole first half was about weathering the storm. Um, you know, you're taking NC State's best punches. The crowd is still really into it at this game. You know, you go down 7-0, you go down 14-7 to to end up tying it. Um, NC State goes up 21-14, and then you go down and, uh, and kick a field goal um, to keep it close. Now, obviously, the last drive of the game didn't work out like we wanted to. Alex Spence finally hit a field goal plus 30 yards, but, you know, Dabo's counting it. Um Said he was two or three on the game instead of one or two. I'm not going to count it. Um, Although I do. Maybe this is just a rule in the NFL, but I thought you couldn't call two timeouts in a row to ice the kicker, which to me is just a stupid rule. Uh, But nevertheless, that's what he did. Um, And the second one worked. Um, but yeah, it was really just about weathering the storm, and I think the Clemson team, being uh, the talented team they are, we all know that. But again, that mental toughness, that mental perseverance to stick in there and go into down uh, at the half only by four points, that was huge.
0: Well, let's talk about what happened. Some of the I actually did a deep dive into the film, and I want to talk about what happened to our defense. Is our defense that bad? Are they winded? Are they hurt? Um, is as Brent Venable's lost his edge? Uh, was North Carolina State that good? I, and I think the answer lies somewhere in between all of those things. Um, well, Venable's has not lost his edge. I can tell you that with confidence. What happened though? We were playing, and it kind of a we're backing off the line of scrimmage. A lot of the receivers, again, uh, or a lot of uh, off of their receivers. A lot of passes were going those little quick outs or those little hitch routes. Five steps or three steps turn around, get the five yards. It relies on timing, precision from the quarterback, obviously, you know, accuracy. And you're you're basically saying, hey. You're telling the other quarterback, hey, you're going to have to execute on a high level and do it over and over again. And Finley just said, hey, you know, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do. And like, what was he, 13 for 13? For the
1: first 15 pass. He was 15 to 15 to start the game. He even threw a pass to himself, and he caught it. So that's, that's how good he was. So we talked about how that would look in fantasy. You throw a pass to yourself, and you lose two yards on it if he's on your fantasy team. Um, anyways, yes, that, that, was, I, that was interesting. I don't think that should count as a completion. Probably
0: not, but that's what they were doing. We we basically said, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna give you, you know, we're gonna give you these five yards, but you're gonna have to execute over and over. And what that did, well, for one, what the reason we do that, the method to our madness, is when you're doing a man coverage, if you're playing up at the line of scrimmage and you're bumping them, and they get they get leverage on you, they get past you, or they do a double move, which they did to Ryan Carter at one point, then there's no one behind you for help. There's no safety help. So we were sending, uh, you know, our assortment of pressure as we always do. Sometimes five, sometimes six, leaving guys one on one. So with with that in mind, you can't you can't play up at the line of scrimmage and be physical like you want to. But the, the trade off is the quarterback has to execute time and time again. And and
1: Finley clearly was up to right. the challenge. Well, but that was one thing that, that Brent Venable said when describing this uh, this game and why they were playing such such soft coverage. Um, going into this game, they knew they were depleted and they were going to be challenged in the secondaries, so you have to pick the lesser of two evils. Do you uh, give them the opportunity to try to beat you over the top? Well, that's a home run ball if they're able to connect on those things. Or do you keep it in front of you and you trust your guys to to stop them at the point of contact uh, to limit them to four yards, which broke down a little bit. They did bust some uh, plays for some more chunk yardage. Or as I was getting to, or do you keep it in front of them and get in, trust your guys to do that? And that was obviously Brent Venables. He said so much that was his game plan. You're forcing them, at least at that point, to have to put together drives, and when they're having to string together drives of of 8 to 12 plays, so much more can go wrong than if they hit big after like 4 plays, on 4-play drives. Right, and, and
0: teams, what's interesting is teams would do that to us last year with Deshaun Watson, and it was tough. You, you looked at how, how good Deshaun Watson was. But he had to keep hitting Hunter Renfro on slants or um, Mike Williams on those back shoulder throws or you know the little hitch routes. Like, it's tough to do. It's tough to execute 10 or 12 play drives uh, without making a mistake. Uh, Watson would get baited a lot and, and end up throwing an interception. Well, Finley, again, he was damn near flawless. Now, the downside of the strategy and keeping guys in front, to me, maybe that says a little bit about I don't trust my corners as much. Guys like Terrell and mull in younger, younger corners. I don't trust them in coverage, but we do trust their ability to, to get upfield and be physical and make tackles. Right, And I think we executed there. But you're talking about guys like Farrell, Austin Bryant, that are, have really no one to come in at defensive end and back them up. So that's play after play, that they're they're getting winded. So by the end of the drives, they were gashing us for runs because Christian Wilkins, again, all those pass rushers were just completely winded, a lot like a reminiscent of the national championship game from last year where we would, you know, Alabama's line, we would get them winded. And then at the end, we we're able to take it home.
1: Well, Bryant, not much of a factor in this game. You did not see him in on many plays. But Cleveland Fair, on the other hand, 12 tackles, one sack, five tackles for losses. I'm not so sure he got very tired.
0: Well, he was tired, but
1: like he it, was still making plays.
0: So, yeah, both. The, and that's maybe one other thing. NC State had a good offensive line, they executed extremely well. We were sending a lot of pressure again, like doing our, our typical well, uh, and like Finley was just getting and, the
1: ball out, out quick. I mean, he, he didn't really leave time uh, uh, for, for the pass rushers to get to him because they were doing those quick slants. Right. When you're getting the ball out that fast, the, the pass rush doesn't just have enough, enough time to get there. Again, Venable's game plan was knowing that they were going to be tested in the secondary. He had to pick the one that gave them the best option uh, to be successful. And that was the one where you keep the the guys in front of you uh, and don't let them beat you over the top. Now, one other thing that I'll say about that is, whereas in seasons past, you will notice when, when teams, when opposing offenses start to break into the second level of the defense and they have a wide open field. A lot of times those turned into big plays, if not big long touchdowns. That's not happening this year. The back end of the secondary, the back end of the defense, it, are making stops to limit to those like 15, 20 yard plays instead of like 40 yard, 50 yard long touchdowns. That is a positive, right? There's not a lot of yak as,
0: as the kids call it. Um, you're right. And that's because physicality of the corners just excellent recruiting. My well, good guys tackling
1: that, by the safeties. Good angles. Right. And
0: Dorino Daniel, linebacker speed has improved this year. So they're out in space making a lot more plays. So, yeah, I, I agree. Credit credit to all those guys. And one, one other – let me give one mention. Some guy that's got a lot of credit this year but deserves even more credit is Christian Wilkins because I, I was watching him at the line of scrimmage. I don't think he gets uh, – again, I don't think he gets the credit this year playing inside a tackle. Because you're, it's you not don't a,
1: notice him as much. Yeah,
0: you get it. You yeah, you definitely get those sacks, tackles, or losses more so playing at defensive end where Bryant's playing now. But man, he is so disruptive. He plays so damn hard, and that's why I get mad if anyone says that you know you, these guys aren't aren't putting in the effort. He plays so hard every play. He got a little winded there at the end. He but it, we're gonna miss that guy. He just he shoots his gap. He's so talented, and Bryant's looked great this year. A lot of Bryant looking great has to do with Christian Wilkins.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, though, Bryant, not much of a factor in this game. Um, I don't know if it was because they weren't running to his side as much. Um, uh, But overall, um, you did start to see some chinks in the arm on the defensive line. Dexter Lawrence um, has to come out because of injury. Um, That defensive front did get tired. They did get gashed on some big runs sometimes. But again, When it needed to, this defense held up. It came out those first four drives of the second half, held NC State scoreless, gave the Clemson offense an opportunity to go out there and score and take the lead, and then at the end of the game, they made the stops. They held them to a field goal in the second-to-last drive and ultimately stopped them on the last drive of the game. And can we point to the, just the fill position and, you know, call Kelly Bryant, that, that's so let's, like- let's, let's move into that. And so, you know, it called the first half of the game, weathering the storm, you get into the second half, there's kind of a few different layers of things going on. Talk about second chances there and, and Clemson being able to capitalize on those in the second half. So you're mentioning the KB, uh, Kelly Bryant punt, uh, Clemson's down 21, 17 coming out of the half. Uh, Kelly Bryant pulls that punt on fourth and one, just past meal. Midfield, pins NC State at the one-yard line. Great stop uh, there. Way to get down there by uh, Hunter Info. Um, Clemson then forces a punt, and that gives them field position at the NC State 48. So that just starting the second half, flipping field position was huge, I thought. Um, now, Clemson doesn't capitalize on that. Kane doesn't lay out for a deep pass on second and four, and then Kelly Bryant sails the ball high on third down. Clemson punts again, pinning NC State at the 10. The defense holds, Clemson gets the ball back at midfield, and then Clemson capitalizes on that. So that's the second chance, right? So even though they didn't capitalize the first time on that 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 punt from Kelly Bryant, it still paid dividends because the defense made the stop. They pinned him again, and then they were able to pick up, go down and score. Uh, third and six, Kelly Bryant had that amazing scramble where he uh, a- a- avoided the sack in the backfield, threw it to Kane on the run for the first down, and... Um, ETN read it in. We had that shot block. I was a little... I guess you can call that Falsinelli didn't get off it of fast enough. Um, but then Bryant, the, the nine-yard run uh, on first and a great adjustment by Kane. Are you
0: reading off play-by-play from ESPN right now?
1: No, I'm not. I'm reading okay. off my own notes. Okay. Anyway,
0: so let me just point like... I like... Yeah, I, I agree. We had like a second chance there. It was a little back and forth. I think the whole idea there being I think this is a team that needs to play the field position game last year, national championship game, 40-yard line you know, you want to send a message and go for it. And like, we were on our Hills, the rest of the, like, and up until like midway through the third quarter, field position matters. And I think like with this team, with a defense first, I think that's what we have to put the priority on. Like, and, and don't take it, don't take it personally offense. If you, if you can't get it in three downs, then, Hey, we'll just, you know, we'll play the field position game and, I like, I like our odds when, when they're
1: backed up within like their, t- their own 10-yard line. Well, I am taking it personally that you cut me off because um, <laughs> I was going to give uh, Deion Kane some props for that touchdown that put Clemson up. Great adjustment on the run uh, to turn around and get and catch that ball right there at the goal line. Um, there's a lot left to be desired of Deion Kane. Uh, I mentioned him not laying out for that one ball. He has some drops. He doesn't always, I think, give the effort that I think he needs to give. Um, on some deep balls in a one-on-one coverage. But that being said, let all receivers with nine receptions this game did have some very big catches to keep drives going. Um, Little Jekyll and Hyde there, but.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to like, I know fans get mad in the moment. You're emotional. You want your team to score the big touchdown. You want the guy to put in the effort or what you consider effort by laying out for a ball. But I'm just going to say, Hey, like maybe that's not his skill set. He's still learning to be a wide receiver. He was a quarterback in high school. What I saw from him was excellent route running. A lot of like throws that looked like they were just great throws had to do with just him running really good routes, looking
1: like a a more polished receiver. Yeah, sure. I mean, mean, there's a reason why he continues to go out there and you don't see as much of DeAndre Overton.
0: Right, right. He had an excellent game. And even though, yeah, sure, I want to see him lay out, but what I want to see more is Kelly Bryant not overthrowing the fastest guy on the field. Like, that's what I want to see. So what was
1: up with that? It was like the first quarter, Kelly Bryant's throws were wobbly. They were all over the place. And then the second qu- quarter starts. They flip sides of the field, and all of a sudden they become crisp. Was he throwing into the wind that first quarter? What was happening? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, I, we, he's been he's been sailing some balls this year, but he hasn't been thrown like that. Like that one underthrow was it to Trevion Thompson down the middle of the field, or maybe yeah, that was over? That was the, to the arguable
0: yeah, pass interference. No, like some. He's just not a crazy accurate passer, and I, I, I'm tending to think this is just who he is. You can't rely on him a lot, but the things that NC state was doing to give him trouble, they were sending a lot of pressure, um, like a, kind of a mix of blitzes. And I don't think he did a good job. Frankly, I don't think this whole season he's done a great job of sensing pressure pre-snap where the blitz is coming from, where to go. Um, on top of that, we're doing a lot with play action now. So when you're, when you're having a guy's coming in from like a corner blitz and you're doing play action, like well, you're kind of stopped dead in your tracks. So, um, and Couple with a few bad snaps here and there. That just kind of throws your whole offense, throw your, throws your whole mindset out of whack. Well, so, this
1: is his first year as a starting quarterback playing college football. There's a lot of adjustments. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to get better at. Uh, bottom line is he's winning. He's won every game that he's started and finished this year. Um, so there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah, no, I'm, of course.
0: There's no disputing that. I'm saying when you're talking about elite competition, and consider NC State what we saw from the elite. When it comes down again to one-possession games, he's got to do a better job of, of elite defenses, of, of seeing what's coming, and maybe that's something he can continue to get better on. There's not a lot more time left in this season, but I'm tending to think this is just who he is. He doesn't have like, quite that.
1: Well, we saw the progress that he made from uh, last season through the spring into fall camp and then into this season. Clemson gets to the rest uh, of these next three games in the regular season. And if they win an ACC championship game, get into the college football playoff, we see so much development happen in those three weeks of practice year in and year out. I mentioned every year, um, those three weeks of bowl practice. I think that's really the opportunity, the window that he'll have uh, to develop. And if we get into the college football playoff, I think that becomes very valuable and you can see him be up to the challenge. Well, I think more so it's, um,
0: it's him working with Tony Elliott, understanding the defense you're gonna play in that playoff game and understanding what crafting that game plan to beat them, where their weaknesses are, how we can exploit those. I just don't think in terms of sensing what's going on with the defense. If are they bringing in strong side pressure, or are they is there a bullet blitz coming from the linebacker? I, I don't and, and what am I gonna do? It's like a game of chess that's going on. And Deshaun Watson, if you look back at those Alabama games. He could sense where he had the matchup that he wanted. He like, you know, he had a, he had a plan A, plan B. If Ryan Anderson's coming coming strong or whatever, if they're sending Ruben Foster, I know who I'm going to. I got a quick slant here. I got a fade route here. Like he knew all of that. And I, don't, I just don't. I still get the sense that Kelly Bryant's a bit of a one read, one read quarterback right now. He knows where the ball's going before like when the play call goes in. It's okay. It's okay. It's just going to mean it's going to put the onus on well if mind, Tony Elliott to to be if your mindset is paint a masterpiece.
1: If your mindset is find your one read if he's covered, throw it in Hunter Renfro's direction. That works out pretty well most of the time. I will say, man,
0: you can't ask for and hey, hot take. You can't ask for two better receivers uh, than what Deion Kane was given given you against NC State in terms of his route running as well as Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro is amazing. Um. I wouldn't call that a hot take. I don't know if I'd... Uh... Well, everyone's been hard on Deion Kane. That's why I like... He had a great game is what I'm saying.
1: I don't know if I'd copyright that. Um, okay, so let's get back to this game. At this point, Clemson is uh, has their first lead up 24-21. to And then uh, Clemson D holds. They get the ball back and then bam. Tavian Feaster, an 89-yard TD run. And you think that's the dagger at that point. Clemson goes up 31-21. to 21. It's like the fourth longest TD run uh, in school history. Talk about that in the moment. Tavian Feaster, we finally see him break a big one, man. He saw that hole come wide open, and you saw the afterburners kick on.
0: It was nice to see and DJ Greenlee. It was in a, kind of a half-back, H-back set where he's got the lead block. He executes it beautifully. And we haven't seen a lot of tight end blocking, but tight end blocking all year and it was amazing to see that and yeah he took it to the house there wasn't there wasn't
1: safety help from that point no i mean again as soon as he kicked one of those afterburners you knew nobody was going to catch him it
0: was also nice seeing t higgins like with his elite speed just right, catching just up get, to it like and stride running for,
1: yeah catching up with not just stride for strike they got it six up. foot five yeah just yeah 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 again we'll say this over and over again in the midst of great things happening uh in the moment for clemson football the future is bright um so Clemson goes up 31 21 at that point. You're you feel momentum shift if it hadn't already at that point. And you're like Clemson has got the, the defense has been playing better. Uh, the offense is starting to kick it into full gear. And then Alex Spence kicks the ball out of bounds. Gives NC State good field position. They go down, pull within three. So you think he's starting to take over, and then you're starting to feel uneasy again. Nothing's that easy.
0: I did, I did feel okay by that point. And the defense had made enough stops. I, I felt okay. But uh, what did we do in the next possession? I well, believe we went like three well, three straight run we, plays. We,
1: we went three and out. And then, again, here's some other big key moments. Ryan Carter has that interception. Um, Clemson takes over. They go forward. And I'm going forward and forth and down to NC State territory. That's the pass to Hunter Renfro where he drags the defender down the field. And that's, and that's what, like, over and over again, every single game, there's always – some way that Hunter Renfro affects a game um, that really just dampens the spirits of an opposing team. Like in a clutch situation, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy that's more clutch. Yeah. He was incredible in that, in that play and and just like
0: the kind of the, the wherewithal or whatever you gonna call it, just to know where the first down marker was and fighting for it. It was amazing. Can we go back to Ryan Carter? Let me, let me provide some color commentary here. Um, I talked about those routes, those slants that they were throwing just, some you know, all game, and and none of our defensive backs were jumping their route to go after like a pick or try to break like, break up the pass. Ryan Carter was the he's the veteran, the seasoned guy. He's not as fast as a lot of these younger five star players, but man, what you know, what a veteran move. I think twice once he broke up a pass, and then in that interception. Right. Just knowing what—that just comes from experience, watching a lot of game to film and in-game kind of like situational type intelligence to to know to go for that ball.
1: And that's why, and jump that again, route. when you start to argue the, the case against Amir Trap, it's hard to question Dabo and these coaches when you see a guy like Ryan Carter, where even now, like the, the announcers are keying on, on on it, how everybody thought he was a throw-in for Kim and now he is such a pivotal part. Uh, to this defense, the best cornerback on this defense, um, and, and how much of a value add he is to this team—a veteran leader um, and a solid guy that you can depend on.
0: Right, it's it's that. It's just he's he knows where to be. To me, when you're when you're when you're lacking for, I guess, athleticism or size, you have to be one step ahead, and that comes from a lot of. Watch, watching film, watching the tape, and you know, just being a,
1: a good, heady football player. and he, he is that. So that was a big stop by the defense. Um, and then let's flip it over. It's 38-31. to 31. We're going to the last drive of the game. And let's talk about Ray Ray at cornerback. We'd be, <laughs> we'd be remiss not to talk about this. We learned before the game that he switches his number to 21 uh, because he could possibly pay, be playing some cornerback. We didn't see it until the last drive of the game, but boy, he came up big.
0: Yeah, and one more point about Trap. If, if Ray Ray is going to be the, in there at the last play of the game, in the last series of the game, when it's on the line, then he, I want to say he should be in there at the beginning. But that means if Trap's not going to be there, he shouldn't be there at the first play of the game as well. True. Terrell should be, well, Terrell was hurt by that point. So who right. do they, at that point, they defaulted to Ray Ray. By the way, he looked good. Hips look good. He's got the athleticism. He had confidence one time, I think. Uh, I think Harmon broke down and, and and came back to the ball, but and kind of got him off, you know, kind of got him off uh, guard. And but he looked good. I'm not gonna lie. Like if you have, if that's the worst you got,
1: then that's it's probably better than mere Trap. So it'll be interesting to see how he's used moving forward. I, I think with the question marks uh, surrounding Mark Fields and then Marcus Edmonds still unable to get back onto the field, um, AJ Terrell maybe battling uh, some minor injuries. You may see some more of Ray Ray out there at the cornerback spot. You can afford to not have him out there at wide receiver. Um, You can't, I mean, you can less afford not to have uh, depth at cornerback because Clemson has been worn down, and they just don't have near as much depth at that position. You know, you go nine deep in the wide receivers, less so at cornerback.
0: Right. And, yeah, Amari Rogers, excuse me, has stepped up enough. Cornell Powell is reliable enough. The drop-off there just isn't that wide. What the drop-off on the other side is because of because of depth.
1: And can we credit, like, let's let's take a moment and, and pause to credit the maturity and the development of Ray Ray. Just as a player, as a person, he gets my game ball for this game. Uh, not only has he developed off the field, um, but as punt returner, we know all the, the shakiness he had last year in catching and securing the ball. To take that punt back to the house to tie it at seven in this game was huge. Um, That that was great to keep North Carolina State from building too much momentum, but then also to be so open to switching to cornerback and playing so well, taking it seriously and just really understanding what it means to be a contributor and a vital contributor to this team, like props to Ray Ray, um, like. I feel great for him. I mean, I'm really proud of that kid.
0: And I think he's done a great job as a wide receiver. He's taken a huge step there, probably more so than even as a punt returner or as anything else. Like on this team, he as a wide receiver, his route running, his, uh, his, his ball skills, frankly, have, have been a lot better this year. Um, He's made catches that he was, he was not making or was not capable of making in his first and second year. So I'll give him credit. Yeah. And, Honestly, I, I'm i really interested to see. We, we can save this for discussion for the offseason, but I'm really interested to see what they do with him during the offseason if he doesn't
1: look to move to corner full-time. Right. Clemson continues to bring in um, highly touted wide receivers. There's no lack of depth there. The cover's getting bare at the cornerback position, so that will be interesting to see. Um, let's let's talk about one more guy in the secondary. How about Kevon Wallace at the end of the game? Two huge plays.
0: I, I like that lineup. Nothing against Muse. Uh, he's he's brought something that we didn't have last year, and just a hard thumping safety. But it's good to have that speed when it, when you got a team, a, a quarterback that's slicing you up. It's good to bring in a, a two. You move uh, Van to free. You put him at strong. I like I like that lineup, and it it really won us the game there at the end.
1: Well, and I know everybody's going to talk about that interception at the end of the game, but I think the bigger play was that hit he put on Samuels over the middle that was looking like a sure TD.
0: Yeah. And it was beautiful and he didn't target either. It was, he just kind of like he did the back to you or threw his shoulder at him, did the job, did the trick, no targeting. Doesn't take the player necessarily out of the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, so overall, not the cleanest game in the world. Uh, There's a lot uh, for Clemson that you want to see cleaned up in this game. Um, You know, for me, I think the offense um, was kind of a tale of two halves. I, I spoke a lot in the last episode that how a lot of this, the stalled drives on this uh, from this offense seem to come from mental breakdowns. You saw that play out a lot in the first half. You had the interception, the false start by Ray Ray, um, and then there on that that missed field goal at the end. Clemson burns a timeout coming out of a timeout. Um, second half, you seem to, to get those issues resolved, uh, but it was really more short yardage that gave Clemson uh, trouble. They had some some you know second and threes, second and fours a, a few times that they weren't able to ultimately convert on. Um, So I think they need to look at that, uh, make some improvement to to kind of bounce back. But I think the consistent theme is going to be the offense still needs to do a better job of sustaining drives. I agree. Uh,
0: Kelly Bryant was used. We we consider 20 carries for our quarterbacks and our offense, kind of that threshold for, hey, we're going to make our quarterback very active in the run game. And I think over the last two years with Deshaun Watson, he'd only got to that threshold about. Uh, three, maybe four games a year, and uh, Kelly Bryant gets gets there pretty consistently. He was at 20 yards per carry, or 20 yard, 20 carries, excuse me, 88 yards. When he is active in the run game, it makes us very tough to defend. It it really is. It, it makes Feaster better. Etienne looks, Etienne, excuse me, looks a lot better, more effective. Even when he's not able to break for big drives, he's getting
1: five or six yards just by being tough. And he's turned into our short yardage back on, like, third and one. He, yeah, he was in there. Because he hits the hole so quick. Like, he hits the hole before there's
0: a hole. I, and I don't want to be critical. Like, there will be a point in his career if he wants to play in the NFL where he's got to show a little bit of patience and let things, un, you know, unfold a little bit. But I am I just love, 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 love seeing a guy hit the hole that hard. Um, I was just so talking about our run game. I think it's, it's beautiful. You know, our offensive line was strong, solid. Eventually, if, if we do want to win a championship, if we do want to win a playoff game, it's going to be Bryant executing more with his arm and, and more effective, really accuracy wise, but also just sensing what's going on with the defense.
1: Speaking of the defense, uh, look, looking on Clemson's side of the ball, you know, Cody, we've seen the, the, this defense get gassed two of the last three games um, and also letting some team put up some points. Do you have a concern with that right now, whether it be from depth issues, injury issues, or offense just figuring out this defense? That's a good question
0: because you 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 can craft up the game plan and say this is what Ron Finley and NC State did, and it it will work. You will, you'll put up points, you'll sustain drives, and that was you, also
1: different than what Syracuse did. Though it's not like both teams did the same thing to be Clemson's defense.
0: Right, right. I just don't, I don't think I said this earlier. I don't think it's repeatable. But I really don't think there's a. Jake Fromm. I mean, you can look at the guy, the contenders. There's maybe Baker Mayfield would scare me a little bit. He'd scare me a lot, quite frankly. Um, Jake Fromm would scare me a little bit, but there's not really another Ryan Finley that sits six foot six that can really see over the offensive and defensive lines. So, if you can, if, if that's the game they're going to play, where they allow those short passes um, and, and kind of negate the blitzes and negate the pressure that we're going to send, well, they have to have a quarterback that's very precise and ready to execute all game, and I. I, I like our odds. We'll just say over over the long haul and over against the elite competition. I
1: like our odds. Yeah, and especially if if, if we can get um, out of the regular season, and have an ACC championship game unscathed, uh, have a month off to rest, have three weeks of practice. There's there's a lot of promise in this Clemson team, especially when a, not a, not a lot of other teams in college football are looking um, elite at this moment or unbeatable. Um, finally, b- before we wrap up on NC State. Cody, who do you have as your special teams player of the game? Ray Ray or Kelly Bryant with his punt?
0: <laughs> well, apparently I'm owed a steak dinner because I had a bet that Ray Ray would return a, a punt for a touchdown uh, before Etienne or before you had runner Hunter Renfro, which was... Runner
1: Henfro. I should have given you like some good odds for that because that was not going to happen. But, you never know when he's going to surprise you, man. I think he had the only punt return for a TD last year, didn't he? I don't know. Either last year or two years ago, he I think had you're one. thinking of Adam Humphreys, maybe. No, I'm thinking of Renfro.
0: Well, I don't remember that, and I just, I just know that he's in there for fair catches,
1: which I knew it was a great bet to make with you. Well, fair enough. You won that one. You don't win much, but you got that one. Um, so that's that's our NC State wrap. Um, end of the day, that is the on paper the best team that Clemson is going to see uh, at least. In the regular season i know we got south carolina at the end of the year on the road and i know south carolina beat nc state um early in the year but if if you look at the stats you look at that game nc state beat themselves so a great for clemson to get through this game now we got to go up against florida state for the uh Atlantic division title um and with that let's move on to uh what happened around college football this weekend Okay, looking around college football, it's always interesting to to see the first slate of games after the college football rankings come out for the first time. Um, it's happened every year. I think three years ago during the first rankings, I think Mississippi State was number one. Ole Miss was number four. We saw how that ended. Um, so to come out this year with a top four, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Notre Dame, and Clemson, uh, with both Georgia and Alabama, Georgia maybe not so much, but Alabama definitely having a tough game against LSU, um, interesting to see how those top two teams would fare. Um, Georgia, uh, comes away with a 24 to 10 win over South Carolina. It wasn't all that pretty, but they took care of business and South Carolina is not a terrible football team. Cody, did you able to watch that game at all? Not the Georgia and South Carolina game. That was going on at the same time. Myers was. Yeah. Um, Alabama LSU, however, um, on uh, you look at the final score. I think it's not as close as you would think it is. LSU, Alabama going up against a really good defense for the first time this year. They didn't put up a lot of yardage. I think uh, that that's that's telling about this Alabama offense. Again, not a lot of good competition that they faced, they faced this year. Not a lot to uh, take from them annihilating teams like Vanderbilt. But them playing a tougher defense, I think they were 250 yards or so in total offense. Interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I think the big development from that is their star defensive tackle Dion or uh, Sean Deion Hamilton is out for the season um, as well, and Mika Fitzpatrick's hurt. Uh, they had another linebacker injury. They're already down their two starter or two of their um, main linebackers, so they're seeing some injuries as well. Um, you know, usually they have a lot of depth, but that that could that could be a problem. To me, their offense has a lot of the same warts that it had last year like it's a good offense it's not going to be a great offense Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback not ever going to be a great quarterback um and and their defense I you know I can't I can't really say it's it's a good defense but it it hasn't really been tested thus far
1: right and then you have uh Notre Dame Wake Forest you know Wake Forest not a terrible team by any stretch of the imagination but uh you know that was a close game a lot closer than uh North Carolina or North North Notre Dame fans uh would have liked so it's it brings us something interesting. You know, we're kind of nitpicking on Clemson's team, trying to uncover the weaknesses, finding the areas in which they're deficient. Uh, Larry Williams, again with Tiger Illustrated, I believe it was him, uh, pointing out that the other top three teams in the college football uh, playoff uh, rankings they struggled as well. South, you know, Georgia not putting away a South Carolina team like they thought they should. Bama struggling against a good defense. Notre Dame not beating Wake Forest like everybody thought they would. So. Don't just look at Clemson. It's it's safe to analyze these other teams and see that everybody has their own issues that they're trying to work through. But if you can weather that storm, you get into that playoff. It's a whole different story.
0: Right. And I don't know if you mentioned Oklahoma giving up, I think, 134 points against that, Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. It was like 38 to 38 at halftime. That's not real football. It is on offense, and that's the hard thing to tell about this.
0: This these Big Twelve, particularly the Oklahoma schools in Baker Mayfield, it's good, and we saw what a good quarterback can do against us. I, that's that's an interesting game. I, I could see us having some stops, and then just methodically moving the ball down the field the way we did, you know, 2015. But uh, anyway, not to go too off too far down that Since rabbit hole. To me, it's
1: the same Oklahoma team you see year in and year out and if they got back into a playoff this year and went up against a team like Clemson or a defense like Alabama, I think they get stuffed.
0: I do too, and it, what's interesting about it is we the the extremities in terms of the good offense, the offense seems to be as good as they have ever been with Baker Mayfield. The defense seems to be as bad as it's ever been. So it's really tough to understand what that team is. And what what I mean by that, what that team would be against Alabama, Georgia Clemson or Notre Dame.
1: Um and then elsewhere Ohio State lays an egg, you know they had some gripes not being ranked in the top 4. I mean they get absolutely blown out by Iowa. I mean I know Iowa is a tough is a tough play at uh, when you're in Ames, but not 55 to 24 bad. Yeah, uh, what does it say about Urban Meyer as a coach now having three terrible losses um in the past couple of seasons? They're they've got talent, but they're not living up to it. It's a head scratcher that Uh, and he's really he's a really good motivator
0: and he's like you said he has a ton of talent and it's I don't know Um, it it tells me a little bit about the Big Ten though like the top of the Big Ten that I've been saying all year including Penn State who lost to Michigan State it just doesn't strike me as being as good Um, and it's JT Barrett his Heisman candidacy I think was like what 15 minutes this is 15 minutes of fame it's it's not that it's a bad conference. Just it doesn't strike me as the elite level that, that that upper upper tier. And I think Clemson's still jockeying for position and trying to get you know solidify itself there too. Into you know, but
1: so I've done this year in and year out. As we get towards the end of the season, we start to try to compare conferences. And I've been really focusing on the Big Ten the last couple of years because I I'm not a believer in, in the strength of their football teams. Um, so you know you can put together all the numbers you want, the S and P rankings and stuff like that. I like to look at teams that you've beaten from Power Five conferences and looking at what that winning percentage is of the, the opposing team that you've beaten. And I'm always finding that the Big Ten, the big teams, the top teams of the Big Ten, are coming at low winning percentages. For instance, Clemson, uh, the teams that they have beaten in Power Five conferences up to this point have, I believe, a 571 winning percentage. On the other hand, Ohio State, teams that they've beaten in Power Five conferences, Massive four eighty nine winning percentage, so they're not really beating good teams. They're, at least they're not playing quality competition. When they do play good teams, they lose.
0: Yeah, it's it's this age old question of like beating, blowing out these really these bad teams or these subpar sub five hundred teams versus playing a better team and maybe not winning you know, or maybe squeaking it out. It's so hard to gauge these things.
1: And, and I think you learn so much more. At least if you're looking at Clemson, I think Clemson learned so much more. By beating uh, teams like North Carolina State and grind them out games, then you learn from Alabama beating Vanderbilt fifty something to nothing, or Ohio State beating Rutgers fifty six to nothing. What are you going to learn from that?
0: Exactly, and I th- well, I think the playoff committee is is made it clear that with their criteria, we we put a lot more weight on on beating a good team in a in a close, grinded out matchup versus blowing out a, a bad team.
1: You know, and I think
0: that's the way it should be because. Look at, I mean, look at Washington from last year when they played Alabama. Look, I mean, they just didn't have, it's not to say that these guys are, these teams are frauds.
1: Or Ohio State when they played Clemson.
0: Right. Look at, yeah, and then the year before, Oklahoma and Michigan State. Like, they just, like, totally alluded to it last week. They don't want another embarrassment in those semifinal, in that semifinal round. They really want to find the four best teams.
1: Well, you know what's going to happen. I mean, you'll, there was, you know, the, the Big Ten had to struggle with what does Wisconsin mean coming into this weekend to their chances at a college football playoff? Wisconsin, obviously, undefeated in that Western Division. Um, now, Wisconsin seems to be their only hope. Um, they finally have a big blowout win this weekend against Indiana, uh, but they're still going to be ranked lower lower in the polls, even with that undefeated ranking, just because the, the strength of their schedule is so pitiful. It is. And they're, they're, yeah, they're undefeated. And even if they go undefeated and win the Big Ten, and everybody else holds serve, the Big Ten gets left out, in my opinion. And I think at that point, you're probably going to see conference uh, uh, officials, uh, probably from the Big Ten and either the Big 12 or the Pac-12, because I think one of those conferences will be left out too. You're going to start hearing the clamoring for the 18 playoff. And that shouldn't be what, you know, what Hey, what don't, don't lose two games. Win, win your conference.
0: Agreed. And schedule someone, as I think Tully mentioned it last was it Wisconsin that had Washington as a preseason game and they they axed it? Like they had a chance Yeah, to be, something like that. It's tough to know how the team how program's gonna be. But sometimes you just have to play the odds. And like it looks like Utah State, FAU, like that's their that's their non BYU. That's their non conference. I mean, that's not gonna do it. Like we played we play Auburn, we have Texas A and M coming up. We played Georgia, like Schedule something. You got to roll the dice. Yeah. And we knew we had to do that because at that point when we scheduled those games,
1: we didn't know what the ACC was going to be. We figured right. it might be a
0: good FSU team and that'd be it. Right.
1: Um, speaking of the ACC, Miami uh, beats Virginia Tech 28-10. to 10. If you're a Clemson fan, you really want to pull from Miami because that's going to help your strength the schedule if they're able to, to topple Notre Dame, finish the season undefeated. And then it, Clemson's able to get a win over there in the ACC championship game. They took the first step by v- beating Virginia Tech on Saturday night. Where do you see this Miami team right now? Well, they finally
0: for the first game of the season. I think they had a convincing win. Yeah, they it wasn't, proved
1: something to me in this game. They did. They
0: look good. They have they have some swagger. They have some confidence. Their defense looked uh, they looked electric or they, they looked as good as they've looked all year. Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe they're. I still don't want to. I'm still not buying the hype in terms of like playoff contender. On a neutral field, could they beat Clemson? Yeah, absolutely. Anything could happen. Absolutely, but I I, I agree with you. I, I'm okay with if they're the better team, and clearly they were. Let's play them. That's what I want. I want the resume builder, and I want to like leave nothing to chance in terms of giving the um giving the committee a, a
1: judgment call. Well, go Canes. Uh, Notre Dame's at Miami next, so that'll be an interesting game to see. Um, if you're a Clemson fan, you got to be pulling for Miami. Um, another team. If you're a Clemson fan, you're going to be pulling. Well, I want to be pulling. for is Auburn. Auburn takes care of business at Texas A&M. Auburn has at-home against Georgia and at-home against Bama left on their schedule. They can do some real damage and cause some real disruption in that SEC West. This is probably going to be the best team that Bama has faced to this point all year long. And depending on what you think about Notre Dame, the same could be said uh, for uh, for the Georgia team. So if Auburn is able to pull off, again, both those games at home, if Auburn is able to pull off wins there... They will be at 10-2 and two at that point. They will be the SEC Division West winners. They would likely beat uh, the winner of the East Division. Wouldn't you think that knocks both Georgia and Bama? Well, oh, Georgia's in the East. They would have to play Georgia a second they time. They would have to play Georgia a second time. So let's say they knock off Bama. That kicks Bama out. Auburn beats Georgia twice. Does that put Auburn as a two-loss Power 5 school in the college football playoff?
0: There's there's been a lot of discussions, uh, you know, I've listened to some podcasts that have talked about this. I just think it's it's possible, but there's going to a lot of other things will have to pan out. Clearly, if we're a
1: one loss conference champion, we're in via the head to head. Well, it's interesting. We haven't seen a two loss team get in yet. At that point, you would have knocked out Bama. Georgia would have two losses at that point. They're knocked out Uh, any Big Ten school that comes through unless unless Wisconsin's able to avoid another loss and win the Big Ten championship game. Uh, but you know what happens in the big 12 but look
0: look Auburn couldn't get past LSU with I think like a 21 point lead uh, I don't have confidence there. I mean they may, can they beat Alabama in a one game head-to-head possibly same with Georgia at home next week can they beat three like Georgia Alabama and then Georgia again no I, that's that's just not gonna happen
1: well it'll be interesting to see I mean Georgia and Bama are finally gonna you know face some competition you know outside of the LSU games the Notre Dame games so Some interesting uh, games left there um, on the SEC docket. Uh, Cody, before we go here, where do you have your kind of top five sitting right now? I actually, you know, I I was, I really like where the committee had the top, really the top
0: 12, I guess, uh, last week. And I I sit in like agreement that it should stay the same. Uh, One being Georgia. We won't talk about Georgia-Auburn, that stupid debate. Um, I'll give, or Georgia, I'm sorry, Georgia-Alabama. So Alabama, too. I'm okay with Notre Dame over Clemson. I think with their wins being a little bit more decisive, their one loss being not as bad as Clemson's, I like that. Um, I think it comes down to now Oklahoma has two really good wins. I don't think you can object to that. Um, I still narrowly put them behind Clemson. I think it's very close. I bet the committee will say as much this week. Oklahoma will have a chance to prove it against TCU. And if they are able to beat
1: TCU, they will at least temporarily, I think, jump us in that top four. I disagree somewhat. You know, right now I still have uh, Georgia, Bama, one and two. I don't think Bama showed me anything or Georgia didn't show me enough to, to flip those top two teams right there. I actually have Clemson ahead of Notre Dame after seeing what Notre Dame, uh, Wake Forest giving them a pretty good challenge this weekend and what Clemson was able to do. Yet again, on the road, hostile environment, good football team, what they were able to do against NC State. But Notre Dame just beat
0: them by a, a larger margin the, the week before. I mean, you chalk that up to home, home field advantage or the being on the reverse side of that.
1: It could be. NC State did sustain some injuries earlier in that game. Hines came out. I mean, Hines was able to play for the most part in the Clemson game. He was limited, but he was in there. Um I, I think NC State just took one in the mouth uh, on the road, so... Um, do you think the committee will jump us, um, you know, by virtue of that, or do you just think that uh, that's in your that's your opinion? Th- that's in my opinion. I'm okay. not predicting. I'm just trying to predict here what I think the committee is going to do because they're a lot smarter than I am um, in, in many facets of life. Uh, that's just where I have it right now. I still have Oklahoma still there at number five, although I still don't trust in them. I think their defense is horrendous, and that's going to come to bite them in the butt. Yeah, of-
0: I wonder if they do like penalize them for giving up that many points. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, even even though you beat a good team, a top 10 team by your own rankings, at
1: least. And and listen, Oklahoma still has TCU left on the schedule. They still have West Virginia, which West Virginia is going to be a tough team to beat. Um, And then they're going to have to play, what, Oklahoma State, TCU, or Iowa State, again, in the Big 12 championship game. So I still see a possibility of a loss, another loss being out there for Oklahoma. So I think it starts to get kind of hazy after you get past the top four. Um, interesting to see what Bam and Georgia do against Auburn or whether that or against each other but we still got you know what three games left to play now in the regular season plus conference championship games a lot of turnovers is going to happen the top 4 that started aren't going to end the, being the top 4
0: I mean, that's what always happens uh, we'll we'll see i mean we look at like this last week I, I said on the last podcast the Big 10 i think things will stay will hold and they didn't two, like the two best teams go down so um, but I, I really do. I still worry. Uh, I thought, I was worried about a judgment call that the committee would make for that fourth spot between us, uh, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Don't, we don't have to worry, at least temporarily, about Ohio State. And now it's Oklahoma. So I do worry about them. I do circle them. I do, they would have to be essentially TSU, T, TCU excuse me, this weekend, uh, but then again in a conference championship, if, assuming that's how th- if things played out, if it was chalk.
1: Well, again, impossible to predict at this point. A lot of chaos is going to happen, but it's going to be a really fun uh, 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 down the stretch here as we end the regular season college football. Um, a lot of stuff to look forward to. A lot of games to look forward to. Everything matters. Every single game matters at this point because you see how many teams on a week-to-week basis are going to drop off the face of the earth, whether it be Ohio State, Penn State, um, some of these other teams as they start to go down. Um, it's always great when you have a dog in the fight I always say that about the NCAA
0: tournament when you have a dog in the fight it makes it a lot more interesting yeah when you and don't you, you you're just, looking at everyone yeah. it's, it makes college football a lot more bad when you like, don't
1: you just don't on. care you move on to college basketball um, alright that's all we have for you today um, we got Florida State coming up next which is going to be for the Atlantic Division uh, title at least on Clemson they, they have the opportunity to lock that up um we're not going to go into a, a dive here uh, previewing Florida State because ultimately, if we lose, you're not going to care what we had to say. And if we win, well, we're going to be talking about being the ACC Atlantic Division champions, and Florida State's not that good, anyways. Um, so we will be back uh, with you next week to preview or to recap that game. Uh, Cody is going to be at that game. Uh, we'll see if he follows up on some of these emails, reaching out to some of you guys. Uh, but if you have interest, Feel free to email us, email us, uh, podcast at gmail.com. I will be handing out his phone number, uh, personal cell phone number there. So you can harass him. Um, we thank Sam for joining us and sitting through this, uh, what is another long episode? He already thinks we were going too long in an hour. Um, but this is punishment for you being late tonight. So there you go. Uh, looking forward to he having brought some, us beer
0: though. Like he did,
1: he did bring us, <laughs> you duped him into bringing you beer is what Cody does. Um, <laughs> it's a good job there. Um, so, yeah, we look forward to having Sam on, talking to basketball as we get into this uh, Clemson basketball season and which will tide us over after the football season ends. But still a lot left to be excited for for Clemson football. All the cards still on the table. Clemson looking to stay in the top four when the college football playoff rankings come out tomorrow night. Again, we will be back with you next week to recap the Florida State game. And as always, go Tigers. And I'm so
0: I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stefan Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we
1: finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. One of two things happens when you shoot whiskey: you either have fun, or you don't remember having fun. A little bit of both. It's kind of a cutoff at some point in the night. Scooby Doo and the Gang's findings. Dave Dorn is a cryberry. Did you say cryberry?
0: (laughs) Um, so many things in college football, so little time. I'm going to start with Mississippi State, just because I see it right here on my top line. Juggernaut number sixty in the nation, Mississippi State, escaped from other juggernaut, powerhouse UMass, from the American Conference, Colonial Conference, the MAC. It's not the MAC. Patriot Conference. The Patriot. That sounds like it could be right. Anyway, powerhouse SEC West, Mississippi State, narrowly squeaks by other powerhouse UMass I'm blown away at the power of the SEC once again. My second powerhouse school is Iowa State from the Big Ten. Iowa State, formerly known for wrestling, now known for slaying powerhouse other Big Ten schools with a backup quarterback that's really a converted linebacker. However, West Virginia... Oh,
1: this is... Cody tends to get the Big 12 and the Big 10 conferences mixed up, but who can blame him? Because the Big 10 has like 14 teams and the Big 12 has like 10 teams. Who knows?
0: Iowa State was once in the Big 12 and they moved to the Big 10.
1: Nebraska was in the Big 12 and moved to the Big 10. I think
0: they both did, right?
1: Maybe. Or one was in the Big 10 and moved to the Big 12. Iowa State is in the... Iowa State's in the Big 12. Iowa's You're in the right. Big Ten. You're right. Nebraska's in the Big Ten.
0: Iowa, yeah. So Iowa and Iowa State, I mean, that's the same as Clemson and South Carolina, then being in different conferences. Didn't one of them? I got to look.
1: Iowa. Point is, change your damn conference name to the right number.